Welcome to Bloody Bazaar. I'm, I'm sorry. That was weird. That was weird. Um, it's a podcast. Welcome to the Bloody Bazaar podcast is what Sarah meant to say. Um, Why can't you do it? Because that's not how our listeners know us. <laughs> it's not our trademark. It's not, no. The uh, people know our podcast from me weirdly, awkwardly starting it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm Sarah. I'm Emma. Um, this is a podcast where we talk about weird stuff, true crime, darker sort of things paranormal um spooky that that's it interesting and horrific stories yeah anything that would make you be like what the fuck that's pretty much yeah this podcast we should have we should have just named it it what the fuck with mark maron (laughs) (laughs) yeah perfect (laughs) yeah yeah that would have been the perfect name for it Mm. anything to talk about at the top of the episode i hope everyone enjoyed the glitches in the matrix i hope no one has been turned off by their makers hopefully the audio was better yeah and and look we're still here so our, our makers liked it yeah, we, or they like seeing us fail. Yeah, exactly. We could be the comedic relief that we yeah, talked about. I think that's what's most. I do think that I would be interesting for an alien. Well, I'm sure thinks everyone that. thinks that yeah. it's like the main character thing. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone thinks that they're the they're main, the main character. character. Yeah. yeah. Nobody thinks they're like the non-playable character. I actually character. do think I am an NPC. Really? Yeah. Why? Who do you think is the main character in your life? Uh, maybe Frank. Oh yeah, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. Frank is Emma's cat. She's gorgeous. Um, she's the light of my life. I really don't think she's a main character though. Gertie. N- none of the. Oh, none of the animals. They don't go anywhere. Um, maybe Dad. <laughs> oh Dad's yeah. Dad's got real main character energy. He does. He's had an He's interesting so popular. life. Everyone loves him. Mum and Dad have had interesting lives. Yeah, they have. Yeah, but I guess you live to like that age, and you must have done something. The other day I yeah. said to dad, um, so I was purchasing a, um, a drill bit that could cut into glass. And I said, dad, how does this work? And he goes, I don't know. I've never used one. And I said, what? You're 67 or whatever he is. And you've never purchased this. Uh, th- that's like embarrassing for you that I'm reaching this milestone before you. And he <laughs> goes, have you ever thrown a penny into the Chivoli fountain? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't. <laughs> I said, you just got to weigh up what's more important. <laughs> But he, he really did burn me. Yeah, he As gotcha. He, yeah, he does that often. He probably had a couple of those lined up. Yeah, like. he, do, he absolutely did. I could give him some, you know. I know enough about his life that I could give him some. You could give him some really inappropriate ones that would make yeah, him yeah, be yeah. like, stop. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The worst never have I ever in your life. Yeah, Don't. I was going to say something, but it was so gross. I didn't even want you to hear. <laughs> All right. Well, today, do you want to know what I'm going to tell you about today? Um, before we do that, we should oh, yeah. probably say please uh, oh, yeah. rate, review, and subscribe if you're enjoying this. If you're not enjoying it, just switch it off. Don't do anything. Just don't please. tell anyone. Just quietly switch it quietly off. Quietly switch it off. Keep Never speak to yourself. Again. Be respectful of us. I actually wouldn't mind hearing people's no, like, yeah, feedback. I want to hear the feedback too. Yeah, yeah. but constructive. Be constructive and say it to us privately because I don't want other people to see it. Say it to our backs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, you know, uh, tell your friends to listen if you are enjoying it. Um, you can get on the ground level. Yeah, we, we are going to get better as we go. Um, and we've got some really interesting ones coming up. So, our Brisbane fan, I'm watching you. This is going to be like Janae again. I know. They're going to get weirded out. And they're going to stop listening. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, follow us on Instagram. Sarah's um, obsessed with the Instagram account. Yeah. I, I'm a little bit happier now that it's not like 10. Sure. But it's I'm still scared because it's not that many like Real personal people. accounts. Yeah. It's more like other podcasts and stuff that are following yeah. us, which is really nice. But um, Yeah, it's a community, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. But yeah. um, 
I would just feel more comfortable if I knew that there was like real people listening and then following. Yeah, true. So do that if you can. If you're just like a casual listener, thanks for listening anyway. Yeah, I know that I came out strong in a previous episode where I um, (laughs) just yelled at them. I yelled at everyone and I I cursed at people. And I apologize for that. (laughs) Do I stand by it? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It'll come back around. You'll you'll be yelling at everyone again by the next episode. I mean, was I wrong? (laughs) All right. Should we jump into today's episode? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So today, Sarah, I'm going to tell you about the Velisca axe murders. Oh, is this is this the um, axe murders that they covered on BuzzFeed? Oh, okay. Interesting. Right. This is a very interesting case. Um, horrific. Certainly. Yeah. I found this really scary uh it's almost like queasy inducing because of how like bloody and disgusting it is it's it's more any kind of home invasion thing really scares the shit out of me because home is meant to be your safe place all right so settle in pull yourself closer to your mic there i'm gonna Um, make sure i've got my wine on hand for this got your wine on hand so today sarah i'm telling you about the velisca axe murders my sources today number one do you want to name it wiki wikipedia did you give them money yeah, all the time. I don't. Whenever they ask for it, I give them money. Okay. Sarah doesn't. We learned in the last episode, Sarah doesn't give any money to Wikipedia. So everyone, again, can pile on her. I'll allow it. I'm not going to stick up for her. Sarah just did a face like she doesn't care. I did a whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Also, BuzzFeed Unsolved, episode two, season seven. VelisgaIowa.com, a medium.com article by Nithila or Nithila, a vice.com article by Julian Morgans. I just got nervous again. It's it's a weird, like, like I, I, I do training now at work. Where yeah. I, like, also, it's me. It's you. And like, it, this doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, if I fuck up, we can erase it. Like, yeah. If if you get like I guess five minutes. Like, maybe it's giddy. Maybe I'm misinterpreting the signals. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's like You know, that's a good anxiety tip. I know. Is when yeah. you're anxious. You I just, know. I do that all the time because. Uh, you're like, no, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's <laughs> the same feeling. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the story I'm going to tell you about today is the horrific bludgeoning death of eight people that still remains unsolved. This is like my third unsolved I pre- episode. I prefer us to talk about the unsolved ones. Because it brings... Because um, there's a reason for it. Like, you know, my whole thing with like... Yeah, but the thing is, this happened so long ago, it's unlikely that anyone that's alive... It is impossible that anyone that's alive today was um, responsible. Is it that long ago? Yeah. So let's start with uh, Velisca, Iowa. In the early 1900s, it was a thriving small town of about 2,500 people. Early 1900s? Correct. So in like 1901 or 1902 or something. So when this tragedy happened, uh, it was 1912. Oh, whoa. Okay. Yeah. I did not realize it was that long ago. Yeah. I thought it was like the 1940s or something. No. Wow. Okay. So in the 19, in early 1900s, this small town of Villisca was 2,500 people lived there. Right? Businesses lined the main street. Several dozen trains rolled in and out of the station on a daily basis. Important. I suppose. Um, Back in those days, yeah. But also good to know that like there's people coming and going. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, in 1912, the only publicly funded armory in the state of Iowa was built in Villisca. Okay. Just in, interesting. Setting the scene. Yeah. You like to set the scene with feelings. I like to set the scene with facts. Okay. That makes it sound like I'm like woo woo. You. Uh, one of your set scene settings for me was imagine you're at a sleepover. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's bad. Just setting the it's mood. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when I told you that the river hawk was the mascot of a of a university? And you said, that's not fun. I said, that's not fun or interesting. <laughs> All right. So 
According to some, the name Villisca means pretty place or pleasant view, but after the incidents of June 9th, others believed it was actually named after the American Indian word Walliska, meaning evil spirit. Ooh, shit. Shit. Okay. I'm going to start by telling you a little bit about the victims, all right? The Moore family and their two overnight guests. Oh. Yeah. I hate when that happens. It's so unlucky. The two overnight guests were the Stillinger daughters or Stillinger daughters. Um, The Moore family was made up of mother and father, Josiah and Sarah. Oh, God. And their four children. In descending age, Herman, Mary, Catherine, Arthur Boyd and Paul. Lena and Ina Stillinger were guests of the Moors and were having a sleepover. Yeah, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. So... Josiah, the father of the house, was one of the town's most prominent businessmen. He was the manager of a local John Deere dealership. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah was an active member of the local Presbyterian church, uh, as was the entire family and really much of the townsfolk as well. Josiah and Sarah got married in 1899 and bought the Villisca house shortly after. And Herman was born in 1901 and was described as always being by his father's side, so a real daddy's boy. Uh, Mary Catherine was born next in 1903, and then Arthur and Paul Moore were seven and five years old, respectively, at this time. So the Stillinger sisters, Lena and Ina, were friends of Mary Catherine, and she had invited them to stay over for the night. June 9th, 1912. The two Stillinger guest girls were preparing to go to the Sunday morning service at the church, which was common. They'd planned to go to their grandmother's house after for dinner, after the Children's Day program, which was happening that night. The Children's Day program was an annual event that was held in the church. And I guess they bloody love this church. It's like everything is happening there. I suppose in those days there wasn't really much to do. Yeah, Yeah. relatively small town. As a non-religious person, I feel like I'd be like, well, that's where everyone's hanging out. Yeah, social event. I guess I'll just go. Um, obviously the Moors were also at this Sunday service and Mary Catherine invited Ina and Lena for a sleepover that night following the Children's Day, which the Moors would also be in attendance at. Uh, and in fact, Sarah Moore, the mother, was conducting the program at the Children's Day event. So she was kind of in charge of everything mm-hmm. a little bit. So Josiah Moore calls the Stillingers to make sure it's okay for the two Stillinger girls to stay over. He gets Blanche, one of the girl's older sisters, but she assures Josiah that she'll let the parents know their girls will be at the Moors for the night. So he calls the parents and the older sister answers and he's like, look, is it cool the girls stay over? And she's like, oh, I'll, I'll just tell mum and dad that they're going to be at the It'll be fine. Tonight. I'm guessing they've stayed over before, so it's no big, no biggie. So 8pm that night, the Children's Day event kicked off at the Presby Church. The last episode calmed me down and this one is making me freaked out. It's going to make you very scared. So 8pm that night, the Children's Day event kicked off at the Presby Church with the Moors and the Stillinger girls in attendance. At 9.30, the program finished. The Moore family, along with their guests, the Stillinger girls, all walked the 15 to 20 minutes back to the Moore house, arriving home about 10pm. All everyone's alive at this point. The following morning, around 5am, the Moore's next door neighbour, Mary Peckham, came outside to hang her laundry. She noticed that the Moore's house was silent. I'm assuming they were also usually early risers, but Mary Peckham guessed they were all still asleep and went back inside. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's unusual for a house to be quiet at 5am. My house isn't, but <laughs> right. most, nor most is houses mine. are. Yeah. Nor is mine because of Gertie Girl. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so about 7am, Mary goes back outside and she's now becoming concerned because they'd ordinarily be sliding their chores and be up and about. But the house was silent and there was no sign of the family. Can you imagine 7am and your neighbour's like, where the fuck are they? Yeah, I know. 
It reminds me of when we'd sleep over at Nan and Pops and, and would wake up at like 6.37 and they'd be like, oh, you had to sleep in. Yeah, and we'd be like, what? <laughs> um, so sometime after seven, Mary Peckham goes over to the Moore house. She knocks on the door a few times and each time no one answers. She tries the door handle, but it's... Seems like a bit of a nosy neighbour. Yeah, like, I know. Probably a good thing in this case. Well, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. And also like, I guess in those times again and in this small mm, town. Yeah. So she tries the door handle and it's locked. So it's locked from the inside. So... Mary goes and lets their chooks out, their chickens out. I assume like my chickens, they're getting rowdy at this point because they've, you know, they've awoken with the sun and where the hell is everyone? That's probably why she's knocking on the door. She's like, can you shut the chickens up? (laughs) Your Gerties and your Dorises are being fucking noisy. So she lets out the chooks, right? Mary then calls the brother of Josiah, Ross Moore, and tells tells him of the quiet house and her concerns about the fact that they're not up here. Mm. So Ross comes over. He again tries the door. He calls out, uh, but he's still getting no response. He uses his spare set of keys to open the front door, leaving Mary out on the front porch um, as he goes into the house. So the brother has gone into the house after Mary has called him because no one's awake yet. Mm. And remember, the the family got home at about 10 p.m. And that's confirmed. So Ross walks into the parlor, which I think is like a living room. Uh, and the first downstairs bedroom. And he saw, first of all, he saw two blood-soaked bodies sprawled on the bed. Oh, my God. So he immediately comes back outside and he tells Mary to call the sheriff. Henry Hank Horton arrived shortly after and proceeded to make his way through the rest of the house to discover the rest of the bodies. So the two bodies in the downstairs bedroom that Ross had seen were those two Stillinger sisters, Lena and Ina. Yeah. The rest of the victims, the Moore family, were all discovered in the upstairs bedrooms. All had been brutally bludgeoned to death, their skulls crushed, seemingly while they slept. Lena Stillinger was possibly awake before she was killed because she was lying across the bed and she did have some defensive wounds. Right. So it's possible that she was awake, but none of the others it seemed none of the others seemed like they were awake when this happened. God, it must it must have had to have been so quiet. Mm-hmm. But sure. I mean, I don't want to get too graphic here, but... The sound of a skull cracking? It's going to make a noise, yeah. yeah. That's going to make a cracking noise and yeah. a splattering noise. I mean, I'm a very light sleeper. That would be enough to wake me up. Me too. Oh, God. Yeah, it's pretty horrific. Mm. Um, so investigators believe that Josiah and Sarah were murdered first. Makes sense. It does take out the, the biggest threats yeah. first. Josiah received more blows than any other person. And in fact, this is kind of gross over your squeamish skip ahead, I suppose. We probably should have put a trigger warning. Yeah, violence and disgustingness. I suppose that's kind of a given. It, it is. If, yeah. I, if the name of the episode is Villisca Axe Murders. Yeah. You, you... But just skip ahead if you're squeamish. So um, Josiah what, seemed to be like the... Um, the main target. Well, the most most injured. His head was so eviscerated that his eyeballs were missing or gone. Oh, God. So Josiah was also the only victim that had been killed with the sharp edge of the axe. The others had been bludgeoned with the backside of the axe. Why? That's so yeah, weird. I don't know. The killer or killers then moved to the Moore children's room before coming downstairs to kill the Stillinger sisters. Sorry. As how I old, mentioned, how old was the youngest child? Five, I think. Seven and five. Five, yeah. How the fuck? Like, I, I don't understand. How, how the fuck? Well, I don't know how you kill a person. Anyone. Yeah. But, a, like, a little child, like, is it just adds an extra layer of, like. I don't know how you kill an animal. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, not that I understand why you kill anything, <laughs> yeah. anyone or thing. Yeah. I mean, I kind of understand some people. <laughs> All right, well, I'm getting too in the grass here. So let's see, where was I? Okay, so as I mentioned, Lena was the only one who showed signs of being awake when the murder took place. Also, there was some evidence that she may have been sexually assaulted as her nightgown was pulled up. I was going to say, there had to be a reason for this. And like... she was wearing no undergarments. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering if maybe in those days they didn't test for that stuff as... Well, they wouldn't have, yeah. Yeah. But to kill a family of this many just to do that, I don't know. That doesn't seem like the motive to me. Mm. Maybe um, it was just an opportunity that the... But then the, the, in those days there would have been so many other opportunities to um, assault children. Mm. Just call yourself a fucking clergyman. Yeah. Cut that out. Um, I'm not going to. The main murder weapon was likely an axe belonging to Josiah, which was found in the stillage's room covered in blood and matter. Mm. It was concluded at the time that the group had been murdered sometime after midnight and before 5am when Mary had come outside. So that gives like a a five hour window of, sorry, my throat's really um, giving out at this point. I'm going to keep going though. Okay. I hope it's not annoying for people. It sounds like um, like vocal fry, uh, but it's not. It's vocal fatigue. <laughs> you haven't even talked that much. No, but I have today. Oh. Um, so, investigators found two spent cigarettes in the attic, which led them to believe that those responsible for the attack were lying in wait in the attic for the family to go to sleep. No, 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 no. I've had this exact fear before yep, when I've come too. home and thought that somebody is in my crawl space yep. and been like, well... Like I've I've seen a door open or something and been like, I thought I shut that and been like, what if somebody is in my house waiting for me to fall asleep so yep. they can jump out and murder me? Because we've heard so many stories about people that have waited for people to fall asleep. I've literally got goosebumps. I fucking right. hate that so much. Yeah, it's awful. <sighs> News of the murders spread quickly through the small town and people quickly converged on the house. It's been said that law enforcement and officials allowed perhaps a hundred townsfolk to traipse through the crime scene before the National Guard arrived at noon to what? control and cordon off the house and surrounding area. Apparently, people were even able to handle the axe that had been used to murder the eight victims. Oh, my God. A lot of places said this case was incredibly mismanaged by the investigators, but it was 1912 in a small town that had probably never seen anything like this. Like, I I don't know. But they did also let 100 people into a fucking crime scene to handle the murder weapon. Like, like it's hard to put myself in the context of 1912, but I feel like it's just so obvious it's a little bit it? ridiculous yeah yeah <laughs> what were you thinking hank <laughs> mate <laughs> come on <laughs> so let's go through some of the crime scene details okay all of the curtains were drawn yeah. except two windows which didn't have curtains and those were covered by the moor's clothing oh okay that's weird the mirrors in the bedrooms were also covered in sheets or clothing weird very weird all the victims faces were covered with bedclothes after they were killed interesting now does that not suggest a personal connection yes it does let's keep going a kerosene lamp was found at the foot of the bed of josiah and sarah the chimney was off and the wick had been turned back the chimney was found under the dresser a similar lamp was found at the foot of the bed of the Stillinger girls. The chimney was also off. So I guess that just shows that, that they were lighting the room, that they were like, you know, it, this was, I guess, more controlled than what maybe the crime scene would suggest with its frenzied nature. Attempts had been made to wipe off the axe. The ceiling in some of the rooms showed gouge marks determined to be from the upswing of the axe. Fucking hell. Yep. Um, a piece of keychain was found on the floor in the downstairs bedroom, which they never matched to anything. A pan of bloody water was found in the kitchen and a plate of uneaten food. So he made him, this person made themselves 
something to eat and so then they like washed their hands make... wash yeah sorry you just said that they tried to wipe the axe off were mm-hmm. fingerprints a thing back then no i don't think so okay and get this a slab of bacon was found next to the bloody axe randomly just randomly. like on the floor yep cooked no it was refrigerated but it wasn't cooked that is weird that yep. that and that suggests a lack of clarity. It seems crazy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the covering the mirrors thing, isn't that a Jewish thing? That um, you yeah, do when people... Shiver. when Yeah. yeah when yeah. you lack in relation to death. Yeah. But it also could be someone that doesn't want to see themselves committing this. Yeah. Someone that's yeah. ashamed. Very weird. weird. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, right? So one of Sarah's shoes was found on Josiah's side of the bed. The shoe was found on its side. However, it had blood inside it as well as under it. And it was assumed that the shoe had been upright when Josiah was first struck and that the blood ran off the bed into the shoe. Then the killers or killer later returned to the bed to inflict additional blows and subsequently knocked the shoe over. Right. Yeah. So also, if it wasn't clear from the beginning of this story, the doors were all locked and there was no sign of robbery being the motive. None of the valuables were taken. There was no money taken. There was like a whole wad of cash in one of his pockets and not touched. So that was not the motive. So let's run through some theories, all right? Some suspects. I'm not going to go through every suspect that's been thrown up because there are heaps. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go through, um, I'm just going to talk about the ones that, that I most commonly read about or that were most commonly mentioned or that I think are good for it, as the cops like to say. <laughs> so we're going to start with Reverend John Kelly. Kelly was an English-born traveling minister. He was described as peculiar and had suffered a mental breakdown as an adolescent. As an adult, uh, he was a peeping Tom. Oh, that's not a good sign. It's not a good sign. And he was known to ask women and girls to pose nude for him. He was in town the night of the murders as he was teaching at the children's day service that the victims were in attendance. He did it. <laughs> Case closed. He was said to have left town hastily between 5 and 6 a.m. just hours before the bodies were discovered. Yep. Yeah, cuff him. So he was arrested and admitted into court to the killings, but the jury didn't believe him. He admitted it. He admitted. So he was arrested and admitted in court to the killings, but the jury didn't believe him. Why? They were um, like, he's a reverend. He couldn't do that. Yeah, I'm not sure. So let me keep going. I might have written. I wrote this a long time ago. So let's, I, I, <laughs> this is all news to me as well. <laughs> did you do this when you were drunk? Yeah, maybe. I, I did most of it at work. I, should, I wouldn't tell everyone that Emma the other day got drunk and um, got on a T-shirt website and made herself some random T-shirts. And she didn't know what they were. And they just arrived the other day and they just said, g'day on them. They're, they're really cool. They're pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. They're like rust colored and they just say g'day in the middle. Did you say you ordered two? Yeah. So Who's the want... other one for? Well, I was, I was going to give it to Beck, but do you want it? No, I give it to Beck because oh. it's, yeah. Well, now Beck's, I mean, if Beck listens, then she'll. Beck she, always listens. She should, she fucking should. <laughs> All right, Beck, you got that coming to you. <laughs> so, okay. Um, in the weeks that followed the murders, he displayed a fascination with the case and he wrote many letters to the police, investigators, family of the deceased. This aroused suspicion and a private investigator wrote back to Reverend Kelly asking for details that the minister might know about the murders. So Kelly replied with great detail, claiming to have heard sounds and possibly witnessed the murders. Well, but didn't he say that he did it? Yeah, but he had a mental illness which made authorities question whether he knew the details because of having committed the murders or... Maybe he was imagining his account. Is that why the jury didn't believe him? I'm not sure why they didn't believe him. Again, I'm well, learning this. 
it sounds like that's the case. It that, sounds like he was maybe rambling and was like, yeah, he's yeah. like, I did it, I did this, I did that, and they yeah. were like, uh, uh, did you or yeah. are you just a bit? It's also like amazing that in that year the jury were nuanced enough to be like he has a mental illness we can't convict him yeah this is the thing with like olden times i always have to remind myself that people weren't stupid like just because it's like just because it was a long time ago doesn't mean they like had low iqs yeah Yeah. true um in 1914 two years after the murders kelly was arrested for sending obscene material through the mail (laughs) dick pics he was sexually harassing a woman who applied for a job as his secretary he went to St. Elizabeth's Hospital, the National Mental Hospital in Washington, D.C., and during this time, investigators again speculated that Kelly could be the murderer of the Moore family. In 1917, Kelly was again arrested for the Villisca murders. Police again obtained a confession from, from him, although it followed many hours of interrogation, and Kelly later recanted. After two separate trials, he was acquitted. Mm, okay. So he is the likely suspect, right? Yeah. But he's not been officially convicted so we're going to move on okay the next suspect is frank f jones frank fernando jones was a Velisca resident and iowa state senator Mm. goes all the way to the top all the way to the top josiah the slain father had worked for frank at his implement store for many years before leaving to open his own store josiah was taking business away from jones and was rumoured to have been having a sexual affair with jones's daughter-in-law you didn't have to say sexual (laughs) I think I did. An emotional affair. Oh, yeah, I guess. A really sexy sexual affair. <laughs> yeah. A fucking horny sexual affair. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is, however, a rumor with no evidence. Yeah, yeah. There's no evidence that supports this. Kind of in conjunction with this theory or uh, attached to Frank F. Jones is the possibility that a man named William Mansfield was paid by Frank to kill the family. I, I don't necessarily believe this because of the personalization of the murder. Yeah, it's also like incredibly brutal for... For someone, uh, for a paid killer, for, yeah. yeah. I, also, I also think that the personalization of the murder scene points away from Kelly. Um... I don't know, because like, there's weird stuff, like the bacon and things there like that. weird stuff, so it does, like, it is disorganized. And, like, indicative of somebody who's, like... Doesn't have clear thought. Yeah. So let's keep going. William Mansfield, also known as George Worley and Jack Turnbull, according to Detective Wilkerson, was a cocaine fiend. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be known as a cocaine fiend. Yeah. Like an anything fiend. Yeah. I guess I'm a puzzle fiend. Yeah, you are. Um, He was a cocaine fiend and a serial killer. This is according to Detective Wilkerson. Wilkerson believes... That's a a bit of an escalation. He's a... Oh, yeah, he likes a bit of... He likes a bit of coke on his way. A bit of nose candy and he's a serial killer. Well, Wilkerson has... He's got, you know, semi-receipts. So Wilkerson believed Mansfield was responsible for the murders of his wife, child and in-laws in Illinois two years after the Velisca murders and also for the axe murders of Jenny Peterson and Jenny Miller in Colorado four days before the Velisca murders. Oh, okay. So there was like, it, this was possibly not an isolated... It was possibly not an isolated event. But I would also, again, point to the covering of the face, the covering of the mirrors. Does just someone that knows the family? Yeah, possibly. The, the but the fury with which Josiah was killed. It's... Uh, 
like, yes, someone who knows the family, but that can also be a shame thing and it can also be um, an an MO thing. It can be like, yeah, it can be anything. Like guilt. Like they don't want to see the face. They don't want to see what they've done to that person. Of course, yeah. But I think it's also just important to point out. So according to Wilkerson's investigation, all of the murders were committed in precisely the same manner, indicating the same man committed them. Wilkerson stated that he could prove that Mansfield was present in each, each of these places on the night of the murders. In each murder... The victims were hacked to death with an axe. The mirrors in the homes were covered. Oh, so in the other one, the mirrors were covered. According to Wilkerson. It's him. He did it. According to Wilkerson. A burning lamp with the chimney off was left at the foot of the bed and a basin in which the murderer washed was found in the kitchen. Yeah. Put the cuffs on him. In each case, the murderer avoided leaving fingerprints by wearing gloves. So there's your answer. Yes, they did have fingerprints, but they wore gloves. Which Wilkerson believed was strong evidence that the man was Mansfield, who knew his fingerprints were on file at the Federal Military Prison at Leavenworth. Mm. Wilkerson managed to convince a grand jury to open an investigation in 1916, and Mansfield was arrested and brought to Montgomery County from Kansas City. Um, payroll records, however, provided an alibi that placed Mansfield in Illinois at the time of the Velisca murders. Ooh, okay. He was released for a lack of evidence. Is that an airtight alibi? I can't comment. He was released and he later won a lawsuit he brought against Wilkerson and was awarded $2,225,000. Wilkerson believed that pressure from Frank F. Jones resulted not only in Mansfield's release but also in the subsequent arrest and retrial of Reverend Kelly. Mm. So this is like all intertwined. Yeah. There are a lot of people apparently that want the, well, at least Josiah dead. So R.H. Thorpe, a restaurant owner from Shenandoah, Iowa, identified identified Mansfield as the man he saw the morning after the Velisca murders boarding a train at Clorinda. This man said he had walked from Velisca. If proven to be true, this testimony would disprove Mansfield's alibi. Furthermore, it was reported that a Mrs. Vena Tompkins of Marshalltown was on her way to testify that she heard three men in the woods plotting to murder the Moore family a short time before the killings. Two of those three men, believed to be Frank F. Jones, William Mansfield, and then another unidentified man. Right. Are you still following? Yeah, yeah. So let's pivot to a different suspect now. Mm -hmm. Henry Lee Moore. No relation to the slain Moors. Henry and no relation to these other... No. Okay. Henry was a convicted axe murderer and was suspected to have committed other killings for which he was not tried. He was a convicted axe murderer. Yeah. Suspected to have committed other killings for which he was not tried. But he was tried and convicted for axe murder. He was a convicted axe murderer. Why was he not in jail? I don't know. The fuck? The similarities between his killings and the Moore group were striking and led many to believe he was responsible. That's all I've got on him. (laughs) I think it's him. (laughs) Put the cuffs on him. Yeah. So we've put the cuffs on three people now. Yeah, they can all go to jail. Okay. All all go to jail. Um, So there were further suspects, some of which were vagrants, train riders, or hobos that were rolling through town. To this day, however, no one has been definitively named for the crime. Well, I've definitively named three people. Yeah, you have. You're like, take your pick, buddy. Like, I've got three here for you. It's got to be one one of them. them. Yeah. Yeah. They all seem like reprobates. So that's a really quick overview of the axe murder crime. I guess it's not that quick, 39 minutes, but um, I've got a little bit more to tell you. This next portion that I'm going to tell you about, we're going to zoom forward a few years. Okay. Okay. I'm sure it won't come as a surprise to you that given the amount of death and mystery that surrounds the house, there are now many stories of hauntings with some believing that there are ghosts in the house, 
presumably those of the of the murdered. Recognizing the interest in the crime, the house was opened as a museum, and pretty soon, given the spook factor, the property owners started to allow people to spend the night in the house. Oh yeah. Now this is another location that you and I have to travel to. Yeah, I'm keen. Even if this is like after Abby is like thirty, and we just do it as like a like. A, she'd like, come with us. Yeah, she'd be like, yeah, I'll go with mom and dad. I'm gonna mom, raise mom her as as a spooky gal. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, she hangs around me. <laughs> um, so groups and individuals that have gone through the house report feelings of oppression in the Stillinger room. If you're a fan of the BuzzFeed Unsolved series, Ryan Bergara and Shane Day did an investigation at the Villisca house. Johnny Hauser, the Villisca caretaker, has a few stories to tell. Apparently prior to taking on the role of the caretaker, he was a skeptic. I guess he isn't anymore though. Um, so he told a story about a time he thought he'd locked all the doors and was headed upstairs to the children's bedroom. He heard someone walking downstairs and thinking it must be a trespasser, he decides to hide in the closet and like jump out to scare them right when they get upstairs <laughs> that's pretty funny Teach them a lesson, right? i like that yeah, yeah it's funny yeah so this person's coming up the stairs um he hears their footsteps on the stairs coming closer and closer he hears them grab the door handle he hears them enter the room he jumps out of the closet and he screams but no one's there and he said it felt like the air got sucked out of the room in that moment so that's uh, an incident that he describes mm-hmm. um on a night in 2014 a ghost hunter and his elderly parents had booked a stay in the Velisca house. Why would he take him elderly parents? I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe it's like they were, they were all like interested in ghosts. Okay, that's that's cute, I guess. Yeah, is it? If you're all into it. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about taking Abby when we're old. It, yeah, but not like the way you said elderly makes me think that they're like decrepit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I suppose maybe they were old, but they were still like lively. <laughs> they still had some life in them. It's a, a couple of good years, at least. At least, you know, one or two. Let's not count them out. So let's just say a man and his parents. His parents, yeah. They did they did specify elderly though, so mm. that's why I include I didn't I didn't just make it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um so they booked to stay in the Villisca house. So Johnny Hauser was the Villisca caretaker at this point in time. So he checked in the guests and he went back to his place, as he does often. Mm-hmm. The next morning, Johnny wakes up, the Johnny, the caretaker, he wakes up and he checks his phone and he's been tagged in like a million things and he has heaps of missed calls and messages. Scary. That's scary to me. The news story he's been tagged in are all using similar headlines. Man stabs himself at Axe Murder House. Oh, God. So it turns out that the son of this ancient couple, the paranormal investigator was conducting an experiment in one of the kids' rooms and his parents found him with a hunting knife sticking out of his chest. What the fuck? He did survive. Um, and when asked about, asked about the experience later, this was his account. He was alone in the bedroom provoking, trying to get the ghost to come at him. Then he woke up in the emergency room and didn't remember a thing. He then started crying and saying it had ruined his life as everyone thinks he's crazy or just or just thinks he wants to make money or be on TV be on a TV show and he said the he only wants to tell his side of the story so people wouldn't think he was insane. Um, people continue to report ghosts and hauntings to this day and I think you and I should go there. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't actually believe in ghosts. I think you do. I believe in energy. I think that you can sometimes, if you go into a place, it feels like oppressive and yucky. But I don't actually believe in ghosts. Like, I don't think that ghosts can, like, 
push over the chair. Yeah, exactly. I don't. That's actually the perfect way of saying it. I don't believe they're sentient. I believe that maybe there's like some energy that carries so then why, over. Why is it scary? I don't find ghosts scary. Oh. I just find it interesting more oh. than anything. That's why I'm not really like if I hear a noise in my house, I don't think, oh, it's a ghost. I'm more like it's an intruder. Someone trying to break in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Real people are far more scary. But that's essentially the story of the Villisca Axe murders and the uh, enduring tale. It's intense. Yeah. 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 Um, I, it, that's, a, that's a scarier one for me, to be honest. Like a lot of the stuff we talk about is scary in its own way. Yeah. That one I find very scary in like a... A real person. A horror movie kind of way. Like it yeah. scares me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it almost makes it... Like the fact that no one woke up. Yeah, it's it's like creepy. That's the right word for it. It's yeah. goosebumpy. It's creepy. And, and how did the person get out? I mean, I guess they could just lock the door and then pull the door closed, as I do. My yeah. Waiting in the attic. The like somebody just yeah. lying in wait until yeah. everyone's asleep, and then creeping out and quietly killing everybody Maybe in such a people. in such a brutal way. Yeah. Um, such a brutal personal way. Yeah, it's really really scary and. Yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't have slept properly tonight anyway, thanks to Abby, but I'm not going to sleep well um, now. You're very welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. You're more than welcome. I was feeling so calm after my one. Like, oh, yeah, we're all in a simulation and, like, it's fine. Yeah, so just for anyone that doesn't know, we do record two at a time usually. Yeah. yeah. Just for time saving because Sarah has no time for me. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I mean, no time for myself either. Yeah, but also, you know. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you enjoy this, please like, subscribe, follow, tell your friends. Mm -hmm. Um, On that note, uh, thanks for listening. Oh, wait. What are we talking about next week? Oh, uh, what are you talking about? Well, you're next. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. Again, it's a big one, so I've got my work cut out for me. Yeah, I haven't even started my research yet. Next week, I'm going to be talking about Kelly Lane. Oh, do you fuck. know that case? I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. So listen and to that ho- depressing case. Hopefully, I don't get sued. I'm gonna just be careful to like. Word hey, everything. I think there's probably been enough podcasts done about her that were the bottom of the totem pole on that. Nobody's regard. nobody's ever heard of us, so they're Killer not. Killer gonna... Lane's like who? <laughs> 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 we're the least of her problems. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.